Hello, hello. I am Karen Jean-François, and this is the Women in Data podcast, a podcast where every other week I interview some of the most inspiring women working in data. They discuss how data is used in various industries, share their knowledge and experience in the field, and equip you with tips to help you overcome challenges on your career and feel great. Let's get straight to it. I am joined today by Rihanna Kelly, Head of Product Analytics and Data Scientist at Zeps. I can't wait to have this conversation with Rihanna because Rihanna and I, we connected a while ago now. So I think it was in November 2022, potentially, at a Women in Data event that was about mentoring. I think that's where we actually met in person. Well, I discovered that Rihanna had been listening to the podcast for a while and we just found out that we were neighbors. And at that time, I remember thinking that I had been looking for friends in the area for for a while. And I just jumped on the occasion to tell Rihanna, let's go for coffee. And since we've met quite a few times for breakfast, and it's been absolutely fantastic. And with our breakfast, I just couldn't wait to bring Rihanna on the podcast and talk about various stuff. So what we're going to talk about today is something that matters a lot for both of us, but also for so many data professionals, because this is something that is an integral part of our career in data. And that is the onboarding experience and making it better because throughout our careers, we've had, let's say, good and also very interesting onboarding experiences. And while sharing our various experience through that, we thought, let's do an episode where we're talking about what make a great onboarding experience. So thank you so much, Rihanna, for joining me on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to have you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for the introduction. I realize actually, when you talk about us, us going for breakfast and for coffee locally in the area, I've never actually spoken to you online, which is quite strange for a, a new friend in 2023. I'm starting to wonder if we should expand our breakfast club in Blackheath to uh, more in-person meets with others in the future. Um, but yeah, really great to, uh, really happy to be here and excited to talk to you today about onboarding, something that I think is often neglected. So glad to have a conversation starting around that. Absolutely. And I'm glad you're saying we should expand our breakfast because this is something I've been thinking about for a while now, bringing some of the women I connect with on the podcast or outside of the podcast. I have loads of friends working in data, maybe going for drinks or something, but I know just the perfect person to go for breakfast in Blackheath. <laughs> so <laughs> let's do that. So could you tell us before we jump into this great onboarding experience, could you help us get to know you better? So could you tell us a bit more about yourself? So hi, I'm Rihanna. I'm a data scientist at Zeps, which is a payments company. We actually own two brands that currently focus on remittance. So this is the idea of uh, enabling users to send money overseas or send money with love, as one of the companies puts it better. Uh, my role there, as you know from our earlier discussions, have been it's been constantly evolving since I joined around five months ago. We've been going through a fairly significant internal reorganization. Um, but at the moment, I'm head of product analytics, as I'm focused very much on our users um, and how they engage and how they send money through our app um, and through the web and how they engage with both our products and our brands. So the changes we've had internally and our hiring at the moment and my own move to the company is uh, that actually happened at a really similar time to when you started 
uh, Monzo really led me and us to the topic of onboarding. Because um, I recall when we had one of our, I think it was actually our first meets, um, you said how tired you were. And uh, because you just joined the company and I, I sort of went away and then about a week later started my own onboarding. And then I remember messaging you and saying, yeah, I'm actually I'm really, really tired as well. And I think we just forget how stressful it is to join a company, um, especially within the tech industry where people move about quite often. Um, I think onboarding is something, you know, the process that's put in place to welcome new joiners and to onboard them really doesn't get the attention um, that it that it deserves. And fortunately, I'm in a position in the organization where I am now running a team to put uh, something new in place. So I've been researching quite a lot about this. You're absolutely right. So now it's been a while since my, my onboarding experience and you kind of forget how difficult it is. And then you go back and do it again and you're like, oh my God, what's happening? And all these emotions and feelings that come with it are quite intense. So making sure the, the experience is right for people is quite important. Something else that you mentioned that we're not going to cover on the podcast today is, you know, when you talked about your role that has changed quite frequently since you joined. So this is something that I've also experienced at some point and we could have a whole podcast episode on that. But if anyone wants to have some tips on how to deal with constant change or I guess embrace change and experience it in a different way, uh, the episode with Liz Henderson from July is quite a good one to to head to. So Rihanna, tell us, well, we did mention how stressful it is for someone to start a new job and go through the onboarding experience, but why is it so important for organizations to have a good onboarding experience? That's really the first opportunity that you get to give give your first impression. It's a period that's usually, um, at least in the UK, it's usually around three months. Uh, it's not too dissimilar elsewhere. But it allows, it's that period that allows the new hire, the new joiner to understand if it's really a place that they want to take their skills where they can flourish. Um, and then from the kind of hiring manager side, it's an opportunity to work out if, um, you know, if this is the right person for the role to take the team and the company to the successes that they would like to see. So it's a fairly critical time period um, for a new hire. That's right. So very often what we, we think about is we're onboarding, we are getting into the organizations and we might not think so much about, yes, there is this probation period, but we don't really think about it as a two way, <laughs> as a two way road. So it's more, we are going to see if this person is good for the organization, but there is also this other part of as someone joining, is this the right organization for me? And then if you have a full onboarding experience, then that's already, I guess, setting the scene maybe for what's going to happen next. Definitely. When you've kind of gone through uh, all of the interview processes, you've decided to take the role, you never really quite know what you're going to, um, what you're kind of going to end up with once you're there. Um, so you've got that sort of understanding of really what the, the culture is like. And I think the onboarding experience really sets the tone for that. So if you, uh, as a hiring manager, are creating a kind of good onboarding experience, then what it can do is really you know, set the expectations of what it's like to work in that organization. You know, what sort of work is the person going to be doing? How will that work be promoted? How will they be able to see the value and the output and how it's kind of contributing to the company's successes? And I think all of that, when it comes around to how the, how the new hire feels, how they are engaging with it, you can really get a sense of 
you know, are they going to thrive in this organization? And that new hire is, is much more likely to stay with us. The sort of retention statistics that you see around um, the impact of a good onboarding experience are pretty stark. I don't want to say too many of them here because I don't, you know, necessarily know how good, strong they are as statistics and the sources of them. But, you know, thinking about it yourself, you turn up somewhere new, you don't know anybody, you've probably got a fair amount of imposter syndrome, even if you come from the same sort of tech stack. But, you know, with data, it's great because you can cut across industries. But you probably turn up not knowing you know, a huge amount about what's likely to happen. You know, you've got some great skills, you've got a great attitude, but it's absolutely terrifying. Um, and so coming in and knowing that there's a strong process and people there to support you, you know, I certainly myself feel like I'd be much more likely um, to stay with that company who I feel values me. Um, so it's actually expectations, again, on kind of both sides of the new hire and the hiring manager, what this relationship is going to be like. Couldn't agree more. So you're talking about retention and then don't feel comfortable sharing the stats. And I'm thinking this is a problem I have so often. It feels like, you know, because we work in data, people are always expecting us to come to places with data. And I'm thinking, yes, but is it robust though? <laughs> Exactly. You know, I was, I was doing some Googling and I was looking and it's like, oh, it's, it's not very fresh. It's a couple of years out of date. Oh, it's from a, it's from a reputable, you know, business source. And then I just thought, you know what, just take it back to how you would feel. And I know how my friends would feel and I don't know how you would feel, but this idea of, you know, turning up somewhere and people just putting in an effort to say hi, to help you get on board, you know, that to me feels like somewhere that I would be more likely to stay. Of course, there are lots of reasons why people leave um, and lots of reasons why people leave in the early days that aren't to do with onboarding. But, you know, I think we had fairly different onboarding experiences having joined so many recently. And, you know, there are definitely, I think, poor onboarding experiences require a lot of resilience. And that's not really the kind of, it's not really what you expect. That's not the sort of thing that makes you want to stay. Absolutely. So tell us a bit more about these um, what a great onboarding experience look like because you mentioned earlier that you've been through various onboarding processes you've learned from them and now as a head of product analytics you are hiring and onboarding people so what does that look like for you great onboarding experience is it's very subjective to the person and i think it really just has to be flexible and adjusted to that person you know, everyone is different whether it's their uh, level of seniority, whether it's the fact that they they might be coming from, you know, they might be senior, but they might be coming from a completely different tech stack. They might be coming from a completely different sized organization. And the onboarding journey needs to reflect that. So hopefully in interviewing and in conversations between the job offer and someone starting, you've got, you know, a good indication of what, you know, what the person knows, what they don't know, where they'll need to grow and where they might be able to immediately hit the ground. Um, and the onboarding process really needs to reflect them as a person. Uh, but that said, there are quite a few core components that I really don't think you can go wrong with. You know, just a plan for the first couple of weeks, sit down, take half an hour to understand, you know, what is it that you want that person to be doing in the first two weeks, set some calls up in the diary, you know, explain who it is they're going to be meeting. Don't just give them a name, say, this person is the head of commercial analytics, this person is the analytics manager in operations, this person is the chief product officer. You know, these are all things that will help them when they come to prep for that call. And knowing that those calls are in, they're in the diary, they they might get moved, but you know, you've thought about it, you've got these things in place. Um, so the scheduled instructions, share documentation around, you know, where to find things across the organization, those useful Slack channels, background reading. Maybe there was a really interesting all-hands call that 
can give you a good indication about the company culture that can uh, give you a good indication of a recent marketing campaign that's been released anything that can sort of fill a bit of time but also give a bit of context around what it is you are doing as, as a company and why you know what are we all there for what are we trying to drive you know when you were talking about the introductions this is so important and i remember that being something i i appreciated a lot when onboarding at monzo so before joining the organization i had been five years and a half in my previous organization and it was 70 people or so not very big not super tiny But it, what it meant is that I knew everyone and having been there for five years and a half, you, you just really know everyone. So one of the fears I had was to go into another organization that was way bigger and not being able to connect with people, find my, I guess, my space as a data professional and not have this network that I had before. And what happened is when I joined straight away, my manager gave me a list of people she felt I should connect with. And that was different levels of seniority. So being people at the same level as me, uh, people who were at a lower level, but I would be working with quite often people outside of data, people in operations. And that was very, very useful. Speaking with stakeholders as well, understanding what challenges they were facing and how data had been supporting them so far and what else would they like to see was handy. What I would like to, to say to that is it, it also added to the overwhelm. And that's just me being me. I wanted to meet people so quickly that I squeezed them all in a couple of weeks. and. Being new to an organization where you have loads of things to learn and meeting so many new people in one go, that triggered so many symptoms of introversion in me that that was quite intense. But in hindsight, I would have done it maybe over a month rather than two weeks, but it was definitely a good thing to do. It's great that you say that because I think it goes back to that, you know, point that I said was the most important. It's just flexibility for the person. If you, you know, if you receive this two week plan and you see that every day you're meeting three new people, you should be able to just say, look, look, that's, that's a bit much. You know, I've also got, and the points we'll come on to in a minute, all this documentation and this tech to onboard to, you know, can we spread this out over a bit longer? You know, you can tell that that will be a great um, environment for you if you're able to say that and then people change it. Agreed, but I brought that on myself. I just had the list and put the, <laughs> the meetings in. But yeah, it's definitely having this flexibility is quite important. What else would you say is important? There's obviously, if you're joining for a data role, an awful lot of the technology that you need to get your head around, you know, how to access the warehouse, what sort of permissions do you need to be asking for? You know, when you open up DBT and you see thousands of models and however many tests and it's all too overwhelming, there needs to be some, you know, how to navigate our um, data products. That sort of documentation really needs to be in place and, and importantly, someone to ask. Um, so who is it that you ask when the written documentation becomes overwhelming? And I know that we had very different onboarding experiences around documentation and, you know, you'd said that actually everything was kind of documented with very long documents. And so it's finding that middle ground of what's, what works for that person I'd say with onboarding, it's it's maybe limiting a little bit more just for your own sanity to, to the how-tos, you know, how do you install this? How do you use that um, within the context of this organization? Because then you don't have to ask as many, you know, silly questions or, or even, you know, I didn't even know where, where I was supposed to raise a ticket to in order to access, you know, the warehouse, which is pretty core cool to my role as, as a data scientist. And then you have to go and ask and it, you know, you end up spending a whole day asking 
asking questions that really didn't need to get asked. They could have just been documented. Um, and also very happy to say that much of this has changed in my place now. I want to make sure that I'm not giving uh, a poor impression. We've put a lot of effort into um, onboarding across analytics teams in the last few weeks. But beyond documentation, which as you say, is an aspiration for all, um, I think some defined expectations of what's going to get done during this period so that people know what good looks like. I think within the first couple of weeks, it's really, really important to release something because it's great that you're having wonderful conversations with people. It's great that you have access now to the technology, you know, everything's uh, going swimmingly, but you should really be doing something, you know, even if that is a ticket in the backlog that, you know, needs doing, but didn't need doing this week, it's still something you can do, you know, especially if it goes through the processes of the, you know, ensuring that, or using it as a check that you have the accesses that you need and being able to say that you, you, know, you merge something and you release something during that sprint, I think is really powerful in the early days, you know, regardless of what that ticket is. And then, of course, with those defined expectations, those projects, you're hopefully getting bigger and bigger over the course of those you know, 10 to 12 weeks. And that just shows that you get a quick win as a person joining the organization, but you also get closer to the data and the ways of working because you see how people are, are doing things. This is a quite an interesting one because I think over the years, onboarding in organizations, not all the time, but very often I've had managers telling me, oh, just go in the data, find something. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh my God, how <laughs> need some direction here. So I like to dig into data, but having a clear goal in mind. Otherwise, I just feel like I'm lost in a sea of data and information that I can't get myself out. And I know there are some people who like to dig into the data and find the trends from there. But at least I need to know why am I trying to find the trends so I know where to start. And I guess this is back to what you said about it being flexible and kind of tailored somehow to the individual. So being aware of what's the preference and how would people would rather approach getting to know the data. And obviously you can't do it at an individual level, but having a couple of options that people could choose from would be a good one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've probably all got many tickets in the backlog that should be done. Um, so, you know, choosing a couple of those and saying which kind of one is work for you in, you know, the next couple of weeks and then having that discussion around expectations of what you want to achieve, what would you expect you to have achieved um, beyond the getting accesses, beyond speaking to people, you know, over the next six weeks, over the next 10 weeks. Um, and what kind of you know, projects do we have that need to get done that would align with that based on you know the needs of the business? And I think a lot of those discussions as well about how you decide what will be worked on and you know determining what the expectations are also give the the new hire a good understanding of how the team works. You know how do they prioritize projects? How is value communicated across the business and the impact and the output shared? You know, a lot can be achieved in just choosing a good project with the new hire and defining those expectations clearly and getting them to deliver it. I really do think there is nothing worse than someone who sort of, you know, you join and then someone says, well, you don't worry about doing anything yet. You know, I don't want to put too much pressure on you. Just, you know, have a look around the, you know, the database, find something interesting. And it's like, this is a needle in a haystack, exactly as you say. <laughs> yeah. So I, I feel like we kind of slipped into mistakes to, to watch out for. And <laughs> do you have anything on, on that front? 
Oh gosh, there are so many pitfalls. I mean, yeah, just not not being flexible is, is even the first one. You can have a beautiful onboarding experience. It just may not reflect the individual who you've hired at all. Um, so I think that's the real real one. There are a couple of other clangers that you sort of, you think wouldn't happen, but do. Basic things like get your technology in a good place, you know, get the laptop, especially in a remote world. Make sure the laptop works, make sure it arrives. Um, silly things like that. I've seen just not be checked. There's actually someone in my team who's on that. I think it's a fourth laptop now um, in the onboarding experience, which just is not great. And ignoring the person, you know, especially when teams are so busy, it's really easy to hire someone. You think they're going to, you know, the role's been open for a while. Everyone's desperate to, to have someone on board. They join and then everyone just stays, you know, stays in their lane. It's very easy to be isolated, especially at those very junior levels. And I think a lot of this onboarding does lean more towards the kind of junior and the mid hires than, than the seniors. Yeah, it's, it's not easy to turn up and not know anyone, just face with Slack. And it's like, well, I don't really know who's who. When you when you go to the office, you're thinking, I feel like I've seen this person before. Did I meet them? No, I just saw their Slack photo. Yes, definitely. It still happens even many, many months in. Someone spoke to me yesterday. I, it turns out I've been speaking to them on Slack and I just I didn't connect the dots at all. I just looked completely blank when they started speaking to me and I felt really awful. It, it makes you feel horrible, doesn't it? As a quick summary of what we discussed, we talked about the, I guess, what makes a good onboarding experience. So you mentioned the fact that it had to be flexible and tailored to reflect the person you're hiring. Then you mentioned also helping new hires to know the people and the business. So putting in some one-on-one conversations with other people, creating some outputs, so clear documentation that people know how to get to know the data, what needs to be done, and making sure that um, expectations are defined from the beginning and that there is a project that the people can work. So that was quite good. And did you have anything to add to that? I think one thing we haven't talked a lot about, and I know we could probably talk about this for hours as as we have done before, but I haven't talked much about the impact that it has on the existing team. Um, And I think it's probably important just to say something to it of, you know, often, you know, teams are really busy, roles can be open for some time, it's hard to find the right person uh, for a lot of these kind of analytics roles. And I think it can really spark a positive change across the team when you get, you know, someone who's having, someone who's thriving in their onboarding experience. It, it impacts not just the individual and the hiring manager, but the team, you know, the team as a whole, especially if you, you know, try and have a few more social events or try and kind of rally the team a little bit more during that period. Um, I think it can really have benefits beyond just the individuals involved. You're absolutely right. I never thought about it this way. Right. And to close the episode, I I mean, you've had a lot of things moving around recently, but I'm really curious to hear about what you're learning at the moment or are interested in learning about. Great question. Um, I've been spending a lot of time learning about, well, experimentation, actually, I guess being head of product analytics, it, it kind of lends itself naturally to the world of experimentation. And it's not something that I'd spent a lot of time working with in my previous analytics role. So I was really excited to get um, you know, more experience with kind of A-B testing. But I think most importantly, I've been looking at how to actually bring that world and you know, bring that culture to product teams. You know, it's easy to kind of look at that stuff and see, oh, it's the statistics that, you know, maybe many of us know or can kind of easily onboard ourselves to with hypothesis testing. But actually how to how to apply that way of thinking and that culture to a product team is, is a huge change. And it has, you know, incredible benefits that, you know, are widely talked about, but it's incredibly difficult to do it. Um, so I'm spending a lot of time 
listening uh, to people and reading about how how best to do that in an organization, especially one that's it's kind of scaling and with, with product teams that are, you know, they've been embedded in their existing ways of working for some time. Unfortunately, I've got very, uh, a very lovely product team to work with who are very receptive to change. Um, I know a lot of people aren't quite so lucky, uh, but been learning a lot about um, and more of the cultural stuff around data and experimentation. Thank you so much, Rihanna, for joining me on the podcast today. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Women in Data podcast. We will be back in a couple of weeks with a new guest. Until then, if you have two minutes, it would be great if you could leave us a rating or a review as it helps not only to make the podcast more visible, but also to enhance the content. If you don't want to miss the next episode, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We are also on LinkedIn. And if you wish to, you can even register to the community for free. All you have to do is head to womenindata.co.uk. Have a great day.